Welcome to episode 14 of Hoops with Book and Sheed. We are back after a week-long hiatus. Apologies to our listeners for my ill-timed vacation. Uh, But here we are talking about game one of Lakers Heat, where the Lakers um, had a commanding victory. Uh, And then we we do a little bit of what's going to happen in game two, the rest of the series, before moving on to our quick hitters. And then we spend a little bit of time talking about the NBA coaching carousel, uh, focusing on the Sixers hire of Doc Rivers. Um, no Olympic team today, unfortunately, because we really want to be able to, to dial in and focus on that. So we're going to wait till the offseason for the, the USA teams. Uh, but nonetheless, enjoy the pod. Thanks for joining us. Okay, after a one-week hiatus, Hoops with Book and Sheet is back. Sheet, I'm, I'm sorry to both you and our listeners that I went off the grid for five full days in the middle of the conference finals. Yeah, nothing really happened when you were gone. Just we got conference winners in the NBA playoffs. Uh, Trump pays $750 in income tax, and he has coronavirus. So that's all. Well, I was back for the coronavirus part, but um, we'll stay away from discussing that. Uh Anything actually from a basketball perspective that I missed that, I mean, obviously I saw everything that happened in the games. Um, We've talked a little bit about each of the series. Seems like nothing groundbreaking in terms of what happened. Uh, Anything in particular you'd like to call out or should we just get to Lakers heat? Yeah. I mean, you missed the last two games of Celtics heat and the Celtics, I thought played a really good second half in game five to win going away. And I thought may have been able to carry the momentum into game six, but um they just didn't make enough shots and Iggy went four or four from three. And that happens sometimes, like we talked about before. Um, the margin for error was really small after they kind of blew both games one and two and they weren't able to capitalize on it. And then, yeah, honestly, you didn't really miss much in, in game five of the Lakers Nuggets. I mean, the Lakers were just better and won by 12 to 15. Yeah, makes sense. Well, uh, those will be some good offseason previews i think but less the nuggets more the celtics because they may have some some interesting moves to make based on uh a string of texts i saw between you and um future nba pod guest uh future nba analytics pod guest nate uh but we'll we'll save that for a separate pod so should we go ahead and jump to lakers heat yeah let's do it um, okay you want to give us a quick rundown on what happened in the game yeah, about as much of a disaster as you could imagine for the Heat. Um, the Lakers dominated pretty much after the first six minutes until the last, you know, six minutes of the game when the Heat, you know, with scrubs in sort of made a comeback to make it somewhat competitive. But really, this was basically a 30-point win for the Lakers um, and a really impressive one at that. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of crazy when the Heat raced out to, I think, what was a 25-10 to 10 lead or something like that which it does seem like they have often have these slow offensive starts, but then as you said, they came storming back, totally took control of the game, went nuts from the three point line. um, And that was that. And then obviously this was all compounded, especially in the second half by some of the injuries that the heat had uh, with, with Goran Dragic leaving around halftime with a foot injury and then bam Adebayo leaving. I think it was in the third quarter after he, seemed to kind of retweak the injury on the left side of his body that he had during the Celtics series. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely not what you want to see. Um, and they're both doubtful um, for game two, which obviously is not great for the heat either. 
I guess on, on the Lakers side, um, you know, the thing that really stuck out to start was in the first half, they just made everything. Uh, I feel like they made every shot they took from three. All the role players were making shots. Um, and then LeBron started hunting mismatches. Um, right. And just attacking Robinson and Hero and Dragic. And even to some degree, you know, Crowder is probably not quick enough to guard him. So he was just basically attacking everyone that wasn't Jimmy Butler or Iguodala off the dribble and just getting downhill to the rim. Yeah, I, which obviously we weren't able to do a, a finals preview, but I think I had mentioned that in one of our prior pods that LeBron is the best in the NBA at hunting those mismatches. And obviously the Heat generally have one or two guys out there at a time who are susceptible on the defensive end, to say the least. And so not surprising to see LeBron kind of rest control of the game by starting to just absolutely go at people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, it was really impressive. And then bam, got in foul trouble before he even got hurt again. Uh, he got in foul trouble in the first half. Um, mm-hmm. And really without bam, there's, there's no rim protection at all. Um, right. So they just kept attacking the rim and, you know, Spolster had changed it up some, he played a lineup that was like Solomon Hill and Derek Jones Jr. And Iguodala or something. But then again, you're giving away so much on offense that like, it does, I'm not sure that makes a ton of sense either, but he was definitely searching for answers. Um, and you know, we'll see what adjustments he makes in game two. Yeah. One, the last thing I want to talk about on the Lakers, um, which I don't think we're honestly going to have a ton to say about game one, cause it was pretty straightforward is it seemed like part of their offensive struggles early is due to the fact that they play big. And as soon as they took Dwight Howard off the floor and had more spacing and movement, um, their offense kind of took off a little bit. And so I was ready to say like, oh, the Lakers look way better when they're small, but then Howard comes back in in the second half and you can see the issue that his size gives the heat because you're then making a decision between, you know, putting Bam on Dwight Howard so he can kind of corral his rebounding um, and, and switch on to LeBron in the pick and rolls. Uh, but then Anthony Davis, you know, obviously has a mismatch versus you put Bam on Anthony Davis and that brings him away from the rim. So that that's the one thing I think, had we done a series preview, I probably would have been most keyed in on is like, how do the Lakers, how much are they going to go small versus going big and what advantages and disadvantages is that going to afford them? Yeah. And I think partially too with Dwight, like I think he's really helped by the fact that here, that uh, Dragic was out in the second half. I mean, Dragic is really mm-hmm. the only true, you know, pick and roll ball handler. I mean, Hero can do it a little, but who's a threat? Jimmy Butler. Yeah, but who's both of. a threat to get to the rim and also pull up, right? I think, like, like mm-hmm. you have to guard it differently than a Jimmy Butler pick and roll, which he'll probably just go under and dare him to make shots. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, look, I think it's a big issue for the Heat moving forward in that, like, without Dragic, who he tore, he seemed to have a torn plantar fascia. Um, and he's doubtful for game two. And, you know, you know, he plays. I'm sure he'll be very limited. Um is that they don't really have tons of like great pick and roll ball handling options to to give teams trouble. Um, and if you think about how the Heat succeeded offensively in the first half of the Celtics series, they did it a lot with Dragic, um, getting downhill, throwing lobs, and also you know kicking out to shooters if they help too much. And like it just puts the defense in a dilemma. And without him, like you said, they can go Jimmy Butler, but there's there's shooting issues there. Teams will go under, and it's going to have to be relying on Kendrick Nunn, who has been had a good rookie season, but it's been pretty bad in the playoffs before, uh, you know, game one. Yeah. He's offensively, I I find generally pretty erratic. Like he'll, you know, make a nice drive to the basket or hit a three, but then the next possession he'll take a step back 22 footer. 
where it's just like, that's not the shot that you need. So speaking of the heat, um, one thing that I noticed on their end is outside of the injuries is their young guys did seem a little bit uh, shook. I think Tyler hero had a couple of bad turnovers in the first half. Duncan Robinson, you know, wasn't particularly effective. Uh, Maybe that'll change going forward, but I think at least in game one, you could tell that the Lakers had a few more guys who had been there before and the heat were maybe playing a little bit tight. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, he came out really hot, but then once, once the game got tight again at the end of the first quarter, I felt like the heat went away from what was working. You know, I thought they ran their actions really well the first six minutes and Duncan would fly off screens and not necessarily get open, but if he wasn't open, he would dump it off to the role man. They'd have these advantages, these four on threes and stuff. But I think they just got too heavy into ISO and hero looked like a deer in the headlights. Um, Minus 30 in the first half for Tyler hero, which is impressively (laughs) bad. Um, And I would have liked to have seen more of that against Celtics. Alas, um, you know, I, just, I like you said. I think that I think the Heat were just a little more frazzled, and like even the guys in the Lakers who are not used to the stage, like you know, your KCPs and stuff. I think like when you're just playing a role, it's easier, right? If you're not trying to yeah. isolate or attack, like you know, some of the Heat guys are. I think it makes it easier. For sure. Um, the other thing I want to talk about with the Heat was Eric Spolster's rotations. So, you know, he went to Solomon Hill and Derek Jones Jr. a lot more than he went to, you know, like Kelly Olenek. Um, And when Derek Jones Jr. came in, I think he literally had three straight turnovers. Um, And that's part of what spurred that big Lakers run. Uh, What are your thoughts on how Spolcher might need to tweak that rotation going forward, sort of agnostic of some of the injuries that he might mean. If Bam's healthy and stuff, I still think Olenek has to be the backup five. I just, it's just like, I understand the idea of playing those, like those three big wings together with, with, with um, Iguodala and Solomon Hill and Derek Jones and stuff with Butler and Crowder and all those guys. Like you just play five of those guys, not at the same time, but in a rotation, but like they need the floor spacing so much offensively. And to me, like the defense was bad, but I think is fixable to some degree for the heat. I thought the offense, if you're going to play Derek Jones and Solomon Hill together, like isn't like, I don't think you can score. So I think he has to play a Linux. Um, and then obviously, you know, I think he would maybe do play some more Kendrick Nunn anyway, just based off how Kendrick Nunn played in game one, even if Dragos was playing. But I think that ball handling and that true ball handling is more important against the Lakers. Um, there's less mismatch hunting. I think against Celtics, like they would just hunt a mismatch or hunt Kemba or, you know, find the, where they want to attack. Um, and I think they mm-hmm. need some more run stuff. Um, so it's nice to have a true ball handle on the floor. Cause as much as hero has been very impressive in these playoffs, he's, he's a good passer, but he's pretty sloppy with it too. Um, definitely turns the ball over a lot. And that's being a rookie. That's not trying to be negative about him, but um, I yeah. think they need a true point guard. And I think none can maybe take care of the ball a little better than, than hero can. Mm-hmm. No, that, that makes sense. I, I, one thing that came to mind that I, I do think is interesting about this Lakers team that perhaps they don't get enough credit for is not just their size up front, but their size across their lineup that I think sort of decreases the amount of time that they have one of those kind of mismatch huntable guys on the floor. Like if you think about it, their smallest guy is KCP, who's like six five and you know not like thick or anything, but he can switch against twos and threes and you know swing men fours. 
then you have Danny Green, who's decent size. Like because of the fact that LeBron is basically their point guard, um, they don't have to play little guys. And then even when they bring in Caruso and Rondo, like those guys are kind of crafty enough defenders that they can switch onto a three and not, you know, get totally exposed as a Kemba Walker or like a, you know, Jamal Murray. Yeah, I mean, I think the the Lakers have clearly – been a very good defensive team when they're focused and they've been obviously very focused in the playoffs and that starts with LeBron too. Um, and it's nice to have Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis in the back end to clean everything up as well. But like, I think it, like you said, like I think the heat will have to run more traditional offense to get looks um, and run their stuff just as a way of finding the open look as opposed to targeting specific matchups like they did against Celtics. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right. Outside of that, anything that, that you're looking at, I, I guess maybe we should touch on the injury piece really quick. So seems Dragic is definitely going to be out for game two. I mean, my understanding of a torn plantar fascia is like, that's probably a season ender for Dragic. And then Bam is having this issue with his neck. So he's doubtful for game two. I would be pretty shocked if we didn't see him back sooner rather than later, but you can't like the Heat's chances if both Dragic and Bam are out. I think there's like a world where they maybe survive without Dragic, but I, I, Bam, I think, is their most important yeah, I mean, player. I think Bam's been their best player for most of the playoffs. And, you know, Dragic has been up there, you know, somewhere between someone, one of the three of Dragic, Jimmy Butler, and Tyler Hero have been like the second best player across different games in these, in these series. So without them both, I think they have pretty much no chance, especially because. Bam's rim protection is like he's their only rim protector. So like if he's not playing, they just have there's never gonna they're just gonna get killed at the rim. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Well, hopefully it'll be an entertaining game two, nonetheless. Um, I really wish the Heat had stayed healthy because I think it would make this a better series and it may be lopsided if they're not, but um the NBA is where amazing happens, so maybe maybe some amazing stuff will happen, but uh we'll see. We'll see. All right, I guess we're still talking about this game for our quick hitters because this is the only game, but let's go ahead and run through those. I think we actually have some good stuff here. Um, you want to start us off with Matt? Yeah, stats? the Lakers were 11 for 16 from the three in the first half. They like ended up like a lot worse than that, but they were up a lot of half due to the fact that they basically couldn't miss from deep. And Danny Green had three blocks. Uh, he's kind of washed. He's, he doesn't really move around that well, but he has, he has good verticality. Um, playing defense, and I think he has pretty long arms, so he still has. He's always he's always been a pretty good shot yeah, blocking he's, guard. He's like sneaky long, I think. Um, so mm-hmm. that was impressive as well. Cool. Uh, so a ridiculous question that I don't know if it's just barely worth considering, but it's certainly worth considering. Do you think LeBron will still be a top ten player in the NBA when he's forty? He's like what thirty five now. Uh, yeah, I mean, 40, it's a lot of years. I, I mean, I guess probably not, but maybe it feels like he's like, this is going to be a weird take, but I feel like he at 40 is kind of going to be like, like peak Paul Millsap. Yeah. Like, I don't think he'll right. be able to do it, like a ton of attack, attacking the rim from like the, from yeah, but he's also just, like, such an amazing – I mean, I, the way I see it is, like, wasn't Jason Kidd still – well, he wasn't a top-10 player, but Jason Kidd was still good. When well, I think LeBron like will still be good. It's just, like, I just don't think he'll be – like, I think he'll be, like, more playing, like, a true, true power forward, like a point power forward role. You know what I mean? Like, 
he'll shoot threes and stuff, but like, I don't think he'll be like the threat in transition or like the threat, like really attacking the rim aggressively from the three point that much. You know what I mean? I feel like he'll be more small bursts, like at the rim and stuff like that. But yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I, I'm pretty convinced that he's still going to be a top 10. Okay, five, I was just saying five years, is a lot of years. It is, but Tom Brady yeah, but did Tom it. Brady's like a quarterback. He just has to stand in the pocket and throw the ball. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I've, I'm a recovering LeBron hater because of I think we've talked about this before the the early days when he was in Cleveland and I was a young uh, mercurial elementary and middle school Pistons fan and so I hated LeBron with every fiber of my NBA fan being um but i do appreciate his greatness uh and so i'm leaning more and more towards thinking that he's just going to continue to be really dominant for a really long time maybe we'll play with the sun maybe we'll play with brawny that would be pretty sweet um all right funny non-sports related thoughts watching the game i think you had one here solomon hill looks like he's been stranded on nylon for the last six months he's just like not only like his hair which is kind of crazy and he's a really like long beard right now but also like his facial expressions are always just like, like he's like kind of, <laughs> kind of distressed. So. Yeah, I so. can see it. I mean, in a way he has been on an Island for yeah, three months true. in the bubble. His hair is a little weird. Uh, yeah. That's all I got. Iggy's hairline is getting worse and worse, by the way. He's just, his hair is kind of going all over the place, but <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't bring it up every single pod. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm down for it. Um, so time for our, our whoop segment. Um, my buddy who ran track at Harvard, uh, I realized has actually been wearing a whoop for like four years. I think the, the one of the founders of whoop might've run track at Harvard. And so he like had the team beta test them and, uh, my friend was wearing his and somebody was like, Oh, is that a whoop? And he's like, yeah, I've been wearing it wow, for four another, years. Another so, valued customer. There you go. Yeah. I'm still waiting on my, uh, yeah. sponsored band. And I can start giving yeah. the people my whoop content, but exactly. um, we'll see where that goes. Uh, we already talked about this ninth man player of the day, Lakers bench. Great job making threes early. Um, I don't think there's really any, anyone else to talk about. Yeah. There. Anything on the announcers? Yeah. So I actually uh, was driving back from my wilderness uh, retreat. And so I didn't have any service, but we had satellite radio. And so we were listening to, to the first three quarters of the game on the radio. And it was kind of a treat. It was like, uh, I can't remember the ESPN guy's name, Mark Habersh something. Um, I don't know. I could probably look it up really quick. ESPN NBA radio host. Um, maybe not. Anyways, it was him, Doris Burke, and PJ Carlismo. And I think because they're like, you're assuming that they're uh, calling the game for an audience that like really likes the NBA and doesn't necessarily want like the flashy stuff that the like guys on TV have to do. It was very like focused tactical um, interpretation of the game, like lots of good analysis. Um, So I, I really enjoyed it. I almost was like, I should get ESPN radio and just mute the TV and listen to them instead of, I mean, I like Mike Breen, but I find Van Gundy and and Jackson to get pretty annoying. That's very fair. That's very fair. Um, I had nothing really on this game. It's been a lot of Jackson and Van Gundy. It's been fine. Like, I don't know. It's better than Reggie Miller. So I would say. 
Yeah, that's fair. Van Gundy definitely like amps it up when he's on TV. Like if you, I was listening to him on um, Zach Lowe's podcast and he like speaks more like a normal person and less like a really angry, like yeah. boomer um, when he's yeah. on a podcast. All right. You want to talk a little bit about uh, some coaching yeah, news that we it. had? All right. So uh, the one thing that did also happen while I was gone, I think uh, is the Clippers fired doc. So uh, Steve Ballmer went windows 95 launch ballistic and decided doc needed the boot. Um, and then the Sixers swooped in doc had uh, uh, Chris Bosch game six rebound straight to the Sixers. Um, and so, yeah, Sixers now have doc rivers as their coach. What are, what are your thoughts um, on that fit? You know, I think the Sixers were originally leading towards D'Antoni. And I think while D'Antoni is maybe a better coach than doc is, I think doc's a better fit if they're going to try to make it work with Simmons and Embiid. Um, and I think that's the most important thing is just, having someone that those guys feel accountable to play hard for. And I think, you know, I think doc's a pretty good coach and I think he'll do a pretty good job. I mean, they've obviously, he's obviously had some failings in the playoffs and blowing leads and series and stuff, but I think it's a pretty good outcome for the Sixers. Um, and, you know, on the Clippers hand, like I understand why they fired him. They, it's been seven years. They've had their different failings, but it feels like it's a two year window and they kind of just split it up and fired the coach after one year. So you know, we'll see what happens. It sounds like the top two candidates for now are um, Ty Lu, who was assistant for Doc, and uh, and Van Gund and Jeff Van Gundy apparently. So, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I, I do think that the Sixers hiring Doc is a pretty good hire. I mean, I I'm not his biggest fan from like a X's and O's perspective. Uh, but I do think he is like a player's coach and obviously between the Celtics and the Clippers times two, really with the Clippers, he has the experience managing the big stars. Um, I think he's got a bit of an uphill battle there with Embiid and Simmons. Like, can he get Embiid to play hard every night? Can he get Ben Simmons to shoot threes? Um, but I was texting one of my uh, friends who's a Sixers fan about it. And he made the point that, Tobias Harris also played some of the best basketball of his career under Doc, so that could be an added bonus. Uh, but he also was like, yeah, good hire. I still don't think Brett Brown's a problem. Would love to see changes in the front office. The roster construction is the true issue. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so, I don't know. Good hire, but yeah, we'll, we'll see, see what happens with the Sixers. Year with Simmons and Embiid. And they'll try to get off Horford's contract this offseason, but you know, I think Doc's a fine guy going forward too. If if they end up trading one of those two guys and just having one of them with other pieces, so I think, you know, it's a fine outcome. I, I mean, it's uh, he's a good coach. He's not the greatest coach in the world, but he's a good coach. Yeah, five year deal. So Doc continues to cash out. I wonder if he's still making like ten mil. Um, so we're not gonna we're not gonna do an Olympic team today. Um, sorry to disappoint people, but. Uh, the United States and how we want to split it up is something that I feel like I'm going to have to sit down and really think about and do some research and just haven't quite had the time to do that. Uh, I want to make sure that I, when I deliver the content, it's going to be quality content. So that may be something that we save for the off season uh, right before we get into the the tournament that we're going to run between the different yeah. teams that we've oh, constructed. That sounds right. I mean, we'll tack teams on at the end of our different off season pods just to go forward that way. Any um, anything else you want to talk about uh, before we call it a pod? More competitive.
Yep, I I would agree. But even if it isn't, great thing about the NBA season or the uh, the the spin cycle talking. I don't know what you want to call it. The interest in the NBA never stops. So even if the Lakers blow out the Heat, we'll have free agency draft, um, and then eventually, who knows when the next season. So uh, NBA is yeah, a content gift that keeps on giving. See exactly. It. All right. Thanks, Sheed. You too. Have a uh, fantastic Friday. Ah!